podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. I'm joined today by Jerry. What are you saying, bro? How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, had a good Christmas. So, uh, good. Well, yeah, back, back. good to be back on. Good, good, good. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'd say the same. I had a very nice, relaxing Christmas. But obviously, Chelsea are here to continually stress me out. I mean, Sam in the chat, Pels in the chat were saying, look, it's Christmas, don't let Chelsea stress you. But unfortunately, when Chelsea is one of your, if not the love of your life, um, it, 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 it finds a way of creeping and seeping in. Um, but before we touch on the games, um, I want to wish our listeners a Merry Christmas, if you are celebrating um, Christmas and happy holidays at least and um, yeah it's um, 19 games into the season halfway through ugh, and Chelsea are 10th in the table and it seems to be our default position under the new Clear Lake ownership <laughs> yesterday we won 2-1 um, against Crystal Palace a team that we routinely beat and again we've got our current longest winning run against <laughs> Crystal Palace um, talk to me about it, Jer- uh, uh, Jerry, because I'm 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 really really. Before we even get to the game, I want to talk about lineup. So the lineup came out. Once again, we saw Cole at left back. We saw Manu Gusto at right at right back, which was positive. We had the Sassi and Badia Shill in the centre um, centre back position. Then you also had Casado and Gallagher. In midfield, Caicedo being back from injury, which was a plus. Then you had a right wing of Ian Matson. Um, you then had a number 10 of Nkunku. And then you had Mudra's left wing and Jackson up top. When you see the team, once again, square pegs and round holes for me. But when you first saw the team, what were your first thoughts, your first feelings? And did you think our win and run against Crystal Palace would probably be coming to an end? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I wasn't too surprised. Um, I think Potter will play Matson up front before he plays him left back. <laughs> so I think I, I'm just used to that fact right now. Um, I, I, we've seen it before with um, other managers and there's just certain players. I, I don't think he has anything against him per, uh, personally. 
it must just be something in his philosophy of football or where he just thinks Madison can't handle left back in the Premier League. Um, so, I mean, I, I was looking forward to seeing Nkunku. Um, obviously, much has been made of the link up he had with Jackson and uh, Madrid in preseason. So, I was looking forward to seeing that. Um, but apart from that, like, uh, obviously, my, I made my thoughts on the Sassy Clear uh, last time I was on. Um, yeah. probably a, <laughs> you're not having him at all, bro. <laughs> yeah, probably, he's probably a decent Premier League defender, but he's just un, so unconvincing as a as a defender. Yeah. I think on the ball, I think on the ball he's okay, he's fine. Um, he gives you what the what you need from a defender, but just all his defensive actions just it's just not convincing. Um, yeah, and then the rest of the team, I think something is, is what we've seen pretty much all season. What, what, yeah. what were, you, were you concerned when you saw the lineup? I mean, look, for me, if you're okay, so for example, Ian Matson, I think that's his first Premier League start for us. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he may have started another game before. Um, but first Premier League start for us this season. And again, this is a player that was known at left back for Burnley last season in the championship, was one of the players of the season. In fact, I think he was the left-back of the season in terms of the team of the season uh, in the Championship. And the step up from Championship to Prem is very, very steep, as Burnley have found out, as uh, many teams find out. Generally, that that step up is quite hefty. Now, if you're going to play a player in their first Prem game or start playing their first Prem game, surely you want to do it in a position they're familiar and comfortable with. It, it it baffled me how you want to play a left-back at right wing in the most intense league in the world, in a league where you really don't have that much time and space. I don't know if you remember the Bruno Gomares, um preseason video, where you're seeing him running around, darting around. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and you're seeing the intensity in which their man play. And I'm just like... This is a left back. He's not in, he's not used to being in these zones. He's not used to being a guy that has to take on players from the right hand side. It, like it's all alien to him. So I'm thinking, look, yes, he had a good preseason. He showed that he's got good qualities. Um, but for me, he was never ever an attacker. So me seeing him at right wing blew my mind. It blew my mind. Part of me was hoping that was a three five two. Or, or, or free for free. Part of me was hoping that because it would then make a silly bit of sense. But seeing him at right wing, that's in my gut, I knew it. In my gut, I knew it. And I just thought it's just really, really poor, especially when you have an actual winger on the right wing on the bench. That, I, I, it just didn't make sense to me. I um, think that that was, the, that was the most shocking thing for me. I it was, was so shocking. I was very surprised he didn't play Madureka, especially after his impact in the last game. Bro, so it's like, think about it, yeah? Fair enough. Like, I would say, fair enough. If you think that Matson is this secret right winger, fair enough. But you've got Madweka, who is an actual right winger, on the bench, and you're completely ignoring him instead of Matson, who's making his first prem start for us under you. I find that bonkers. I find that bonkers. So that was, that was number one. That was a big concern. Number two, once again, Levi Colwhite left back. You know how I feel about it. Everyone knows how I feel about it. I don't feel like I need to keep repeating it. 
but Poch yeah. seems to keep making me have to keep talking about this issue. It's insane. It's insane. And again, Cobble gets dragged. Why? Because he's not a left back. It's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. So I was concerned generally about the overall structure, but I was excited to see Nkunku because I've been a big advocate of his, been a big fan of his for many a year, even before we even signed him. So always very happy to see him get his first start and immediately you can see he's just a, a really, really good player. And I want to talk about Nkunku a little bit separately. But yeah, there was a lot of concerns I had, um, but I also thought, okay, we should have enough. There's like really... No excuses, because we really should have enough to beat these guys. They're, they're not that good. They've been on a terrible run of form. Um, and we, our record against them is Chelsea win. So it would have been a shocker to see us not pick up maximum points against them, ultimately. Um, but, yeah, it's just, oh, mate. Oh, God. But I want to talk about a couple of things, first and foremost. I want to give props to Mr. Malo Gusto, who was... Absolutely sensational, rightfully giving a man of the match for that performance yeah. against Crystal Palace. Okay. Talk to me, bro, because we, we said a number of times that an able deputy for Reese James, and I think that may be doing him a bit of a disservice because he's a fantastic footballer. But talk to me about my roster. I, 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 so with that, I think able deputy for Reese James, I think that's his starting point because I think the commentator said that, what, he's on, is he 19 or 20? I think he's 19. Um, he's just turned 20. Yeah, ridiculous. So he's got a lot of development yet to come. Like, I think an, an able replacement for Reese James and 19, or when he came in, or 19 or 20, it's not a bad place to start off. And from the first minute, you could see he was sharp. Um, he, he, I think he only came back from injury, like, what, two games ago. But from the first minute, you could see he was sharp. I think this is 100% his best game in the Chelsea shirt. Um, he played a, a part in sort of the tactical plan, um, or what I saw was a tactical plan, especially in the first half, um, in his link up with Matson. Um, and I, I, I think there was a tackle he made on Eze when he was in the box, um, clean, um, well timed, and that's been a feature of um, Gusto's game, to be honest. Um, He's such an efficient tackler. He's yeah. such an efficient tackler. He reminds me, the way he stands up to people in terms of 1v1 jaws, he reminds me a bit of Aspilicueta when he first came through in terms of the tenacity in which he defends. It's actually really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, he's And it's no surprise most of their joy came from the other side. Um, I think he kept Eze quiet a lot of, a lot of the, the first half um, and Palace... Most of the time, they got joy from either Mateta just bulldozing. <laughs> it, it was kind of funny to watch our, our, our defenders bouncing off him. Um, or um, Elise definitely gave Colbo a tough time. Um, and then going forward as well, um, he was holding his whip from the right flank, um, but also not being scared to come inside. And if, if we fast forward a little bit to the goal, um, I think... Uh, so Dasasi has the ball, and you see sort of the first of the, one of the rotations I saw in this match. Um, and we go through the rotation where you know Gusto is starts wide, Matson is inside. Matson shows for the ball; the ball goes to uh, Gusto out wide. He plays it back to Dasasi, and then Gusto and Matson swap. Um, and the ball now goes out to Matson, who lays it inside to Gusto. 
who takes a touch uh, Eden Hazard will be proud of, um, and then drives forward um, at the goal. Um, he plays it to Mudrik, um, who misses it, misses Mudrik and actually goes to Nkunku. Um, and then Nkunku tries to play Mudrik through first time. And who comes from right to left on the overlap? It's Malo Gusto. Um, I, when I first saw it, I, 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 I kind of couldn't believe it. I was like, what? What is he doing? Like, what's he doing there? Um, um, so he comes across, and I love that he he gets the ball from Nkunku, and he looks up and plays the ball to to Madrid. And I think not not enough of our our players do that. Um, like he picked I, out his I, man. Perfectly. Yeah, he picked him yeah. perfectly. I get I get firing the ball across and hoping for the best, but it was nice to see he picked out his man and good finish from Madrid. And I think it's funny because. Later on, I'll go into sort of my analysis of our of our attacking structure and stuff. But he, it's funny because he's he's overlapping from right back, and it makes sense because on the zoomed out shot of that goal, Levi Colwell isn't actually in the shot. It just bro. So it must be it must be instruction from Poch. Um, um, and what would I go into my analysis? It all sort of makes sense what I'm talking about, but it must it must be it must have been an instruction from Fox. But I thought I found that quite funny. Uh, but yeah, best game in a Chelsea shirt, and I'm hoping he carries this on. Yeah, I, I'm laughing because like, because yeah. <laughs> if you play a left back, Gusto may not have to do that. Gusto may just be the guy that actually gets into the box to support the other attackers. But hey, what do I know? I'm not a professional coach. I haven't got my coaching badges. But I just, for the life of me, the amount of work that Gusto had to do to get us to score that goal was crazy. Um, yeah. But as you said, it was sensational play. The turn in the middle of the park was fantastic into the pocket. Drove straight at to, um, the heart of Palace's defence. Tried to find Modric. It was behind him, to be fair. But he kept going. He was so intense. He kept going. And Nkunku find, tries to find Modric. Um, and then the reverse pass. Aha! Do you know what? I'm sorry, this is going to turn into a bit of the Nkunku show, but, bro, high-level footballer. High-level footballer. I'm not used that word to describe people or players in quite some time for Chelsea. Nkunku is high-level. He's high-high-level. If you look at the instant... Like he just passed it instantly into Gusto's pass without a hesitation. And that that instant pass is what opens up and destabilizes the team. Too often, too many times for Chelsea anyway, you get that slack, kind of laboured passing, that laboured movement, and the chance is always gone. The chance isn't there. But that instantaneous pass into Gusto's feet, who's then able to find a beautiful cross into Mahalo Mudric to score, was excellent. And I think if you look at all of the good that came in the first first 30, 35 minutes, yeah, Mudric, Jackson, and Kunku were all at the heart of it. And then Kunku, for me, was knitting everything together beautifully. I think there was a, a crossword pass that he made to Mahalo Gusto, and that yeah. right-hand side was open all day. But that crossword pass that he made to Malagusta was just, oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, man. He's just a very, very good player, man. I, 
you run out of words really to describe how good he actually is. And I think he had a, he had a fantastic chance to, to get it two and two for himself, but I think he delayed a little bit. I think that was a little bit of rust. Um, yeah, he, he's only played one. Yeah, you could tell it was a little bit of rust. Yeah, you could tell it was a little bit of rust, but I just feel like he can elevate um, uh, yeah, attack to a very good level. Um, I think there's definitely a good connection there between Jackson, Mudrick and himself. So I'm going to be interested to see how that kind of flourishes. And to be fair to Poch, he hasn't been able to fill that all season. And I know that, you know, it's kind of a bit embarrassing that a lot of his tactical plan was with Nkunku in mind, but it still doesn't excuse some of the decisions that he's made. But still, you can see that Nkunku is such a high-level player and I think he will make a big difference to us. But, um, yeah, in the second half, and I, we can talk about the second half in a little bit, um, but it, it kind of goes back to the point of, well, it may actually not even just be about players and individuals and having star quality. Sometimes tactically... Um, you have to do your job as a manager. Um, but, yeah, I think the first, the first the goal from Mudrik was really, really good. Um, and, yeah, I guess we could probably talk about Mahalo a little bit. Um, I think somewhat Chelsea fans expect a different sort of player to what he actually is. Um, and we kind of spoke about him on this pod quite a few times, really, as to who is and what is Mahalo Mudrik in terms of his yeah. player style, profile. And um, what he really is good at, what he excels at. Um, I thought he started the game really, really well. I thought he played, yeah, first 30, 35 minutes. I thought he was really, really good. And he yeah. merited his goal, to be honest. Um, but what people kind of misunderstand about Modric is because he's so fast, you think that he's just a speed demon that, you know, if he runs in behind, he can score loads of goals. But I think, yes, whilst that's true, I think his creativity is quite underrated. Um, I think it's actually really underrated because there's that pass that he made in the first five minutes to Ian Matson, which Matson either should score it or square it to Jackson. And I think that's just another issue that I find our players doing all the time. But, oh God. But, yeah, a beautiful ball to Matson. I think he's just got that in his locker. He's, he, he really, I think he can unlock, you know. I think he's got that in his capacity. What, what are your what are your thoughts on Mahalo's performance, and what kind of player do you actually think he is? So, I, I think he played very well um, in those in first half of the first half. Um, sort of, it was like eight minutes in. Um, he created that chance for Matt, um, for for Ian Matson, um, and I think he he had a lot of joy in that first half because um, there was a lot more space. Um, I think generally he's a sort of player who he's always looking to make something happen. Um, and while that can be frustrating in the sense that he can be a little bit of a turnover machine, um, he's, his game is not quite refined. Um, and players like that generally can be quite um, a hard pill to swallow for the fan base, um, especially in frustrating moments. Um, I think he's coming to Chelsea and we're, what, 19 games in? Um, first full season, and I think he's he's doing okay. I think he's got um, a few goals. Um, he could have had many more assists. I think wh- whatever he does on the pitch, um, he, he he has the eye for a pass, um, which I definitely appreciate. Um, he has that sort of that reverse pass on lock, um, 
And to be honest, I'd like to see that exploited a bit more. Um, I think as he plays more and more, I think his teammates will know like what what he's going to do when he cuts in. Um, I think initially, you would think his strengths are touchline winger, get into the box, cross in. But with the goal he scored today, um, I think his first goal in the Premier League, I can't remember who that was against, Luton maybe, where he made that run inside. He's actually quite good at making those runs in the box. When he comes inside, he's actually quite proficient at that. Um, and I, I don't know whether Poch has identified this. There was an interesting part of the first half where um, basically... I think it was was it in the build up to, yeah, it was in the build up to that goal, um, and when you when Desassi had the ball before it went to Matson and then Gusto. If you look at our front line, um, Jackson is on the far right. Um, he's basically what you'd call the, the the ball down the line. Mudrick is actually central, and Nkunku is peeled off to the left, and Nkunku is in lots of space. Obviously, when the play develops. Um, because because Augusto drove over the ball at the heart of the defense, um, the ball eventually forced in Kunku. But I was I was quite uh, I found that quite interesting, and I was I was watching out for that in the rest of the game um, because I, I was thinking does has Poch also recognised that he's quite good inside, um, and that's extra rotation um, that he can make. Um, I, I I think generally I've seen enough for Mudrik. Um, to give me confidence that he can be a good player for Chelsea. Um, I just I just need to see his development continue. Uh, and this is why, this is also why when he was getting no game time at the start of the season, I thought uh, it was quite concerning because it's not, it's not as if what we're seeing now isn't what he was doing in his first appearance at Liverpool. Um, the, the, the good things he has in his game now, they were always there. Um, so I thought he could have he could contribute, um, but that certainly Ben Ben Chilwell. Um, I think with the deficiencies in this game, um, with as time goes on, he does seem a bit more settled, um, a bit more cohesive in his actions, um, and I think I just want that to continue and progress. So I, I've he's he's probably one of my favourite players in the in the team right now, just because he's the kind of player who. We'll get you off your feet. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I, I hear you. I feel like you know. I feel like whenever he has started games, he generally impacts. Um, I think he's got. I don't know when he starts in the prem, but I think he's got quite a few starts this season. Yeah, he started nine games in the prem. He's got three goals, two assists, and I just feel like that's not bad. That's not bad, right? And I feel like. You, you, like every time he starts with me, he always seems to make an impact. Whether that's a goal, whether that's involvement in a goal, whether that's an assist, I just feel like he just generally does impact matches. And he's a player that likes to try things. And I know some sometimes our fans seem to hate players that try and um, make an impact and try and do things and try things. I think I remember him getting mocked for taking a shot from thirty-five yards because there was nothing ahead of him. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna." Gonna go try and ling it, and it, it went out for a throw in. But I'm like, well, I don't really care because the movement to get away from a player, to shift it, and then try and bang it. I, I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for players trying things. You know what I mean? I'd rather that than players just like TP tapping it around and not not going anywhere with it. Um, but I definitely agree. I definitely think that 
he's a player that is ready to 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 really not necessarily explode, but I think he's got all of the capacity to be an impactful player. He's got all of the capacity. And the decision again, it just makes it you just makes you wonder the decision again to play Ben Chilwell at left wing ahead of him is insanity. And I know Poch has done some good work really to um to, to bring Mudrick back, really, because I think last season his confidence was destroyed. Um, Pochettino has really kind of re- rehabilitated him in that sense because Frank Lampard and Graham Potter really did a number on his mental. Um, yeah, especially Graham Potter had a fantastic debut against Liverpool, then relegated him to the bench for many a weeks. And then it's just, yeah, I, I can imagine that not being easy for um, I can imagine that not being easy for him especially moving to a new country, your country also in the middle of a war. So I can understand, like, on a human level, um, and even on a professional level, how those sort of situations weren't, were less than ideal for him. And it could obviously impact him on a mental level because he still is only young. Um, but, yeah, for me, re- really good player. He's, he's got a lot about him, a lot about him that I like. But... Yeah, it remains to be seen. I really do hope that he gets the platform and, and keeps the, the platform um, that's been given to him. And he just needs to work hard to maintain it. Because as you know, Raheem Sterling's still there. Um, uh, we, we've got Madaway, who who came on and impacted the game yesterday. So you've got a lot of competition and Chelsea are always looking to buy. So you, you just have to um, hope that he maintains his, his form and maintains um, the platform that he's been given, really. Um, but speaking of platforms um, or lack thereof, Madueke, um, you know me, I'm not the biggest fan of Noni Madueke in terms of just the way he plays football, but at the same time, I was calling for him to start the game because for the life of me, I did not understand playing a left-back at right would make any sense and it'd almost be like a little kick in the teeth for Noni Madueke, who was available. Um, Talk to me about Madueke because I know you you kind of have a little bit of stocks in him. Um, not fan or massive fan, but I, you know I, I think you, you like him as a player. So talk to me. Um, how must he been feeling not being on the on on the pitch or not starting yeah. the game? I think it's interesting. Like if you look at Poch's post match press conference and his comments after the Wolves game, um, <clears throat> he made certain references to players not being happy about being uh, on the pitch and the people around the players as well. And I think one of the people he was referring to was uh, Madweke. I think also he was referring to sort of the, the phased return of Nkunku back from injury. And I think he... I, I, I'd, be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and get insight into their relationship. Um, but outside of that, Poch really has not put his trust in in Madueke. And it's, to be honest, with the emergence of Cole Palmer, um, Sterling's early season form, uh, it was kind of easy to see why. Um, the more concerning uh, things, if I was Madueke, are the times where we have no wingers and um, he's putting a right winger, a uh, uh, left back at right wing. I think he, he played well in his cameo uh, against Wolves. And generally, uh, he has played uh, well when he's been on the pitch. Um, I remember he had a start again. It must have been actually Palace. Was it Palace? Um, the last time he started a game. 
And he was really bright for a short period of time. He had that shot that cannoned off the crossbar. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and he kind of faded in that game. And since then, we haven't seen him. So I think he's had a few injury problems. But Potch's comments after the match post-game were a lot more complimentary. Um, he said that Madweke sort of took his chance and was brave and, and played. And he, in reference to the comments he made in the previous press, press conference, he said that that's what he needs to do, not complain, but to fight, to come on and be ready to fight. Um, but as a player in general, I think he's he's very similar to Madrid in, in the sense that he he needs to refine his game. Um, I think him, Madrid and, and Broja, watching them is, is a very similar experience in the sense that um, they make, they, they play a lot with um, sort of their head down. They make the, the right decision sometimes at the wrong time. And it, it's just, it, they're just a little bit off. Um, and you only get there they're by... Not quite, they're not quite, yeah, um, not quite refined. Yeah, refined. They, they, they lack a little bit of refinement and tweaking. Yeah. And I, I, I think more so with Madawake. I think Madawake is pretty raw as a footballer. Uh, but you can one thing you can't deny about Madweke is capacity to take on players. And when you're yeah. in a bit of a, a, a pickle, you need a player that can actually turn it on in those moments. Um, yeah. I do yeah. argue that sometimes Madweke will play within himself and be shy in terms of taking on players, um, which is crazy because that, that is really a big part of his game, a big facet of his game. So I definitely agree. I definitely think that he can definitely add a lot of value um, as he is, but I think the only way he can actually improve as a player is with regular game time. And I don't know if he's going to get at Chelsea, but I, I think he definitely he definitely needs some refinement. Um, I'd, I'd agree with Broja, but Broja has been out for a long time. Um, and Mudrik, I think, yeah, with more games, you, you could see that there will be some polishing with, with his general capacity in things and ability to do things. But I definitely agree. I think Manuweke, um he definitely would have been a bit disappointed. And I agree when, when Potch came out after the game, was talking about singing his praises, essentially, because he saved his bacon. Because if we're being honest, if, if Potch didn't win that game, he would have been booed out of Stamford Bridge. He would have been booed out of Stamford Bridge massively. Um, so, funnily enough, this is the game I actually came out with the most uh, positive feeling about Potch. <laughs> Really? Uh, okay, let's yeah. talk about it. That's interesting. Talk well, to me about it. Obviously, doing uh, my analysis, I just thought out of all the games we've played in this season, and I, I know Jay was making the point in, in the group that, sorry, Jermaine, <laughs> or Jay, yeah, well, he was making the point in the group chat that um, how much can you really put on Poch when we miss chances? And I went back and looked at the Wolves game and, and obviously the chances that we we missed in this game and I think there's a, there's a little bit of a difference between the two I think especially in the first half of uh, the game against Palace we are creating these chances through our play uh, we're, we're working the ball up through the thirds quickly um, and it's a lot more fluid and I'll, I'll go into that a bit later but against Wolves two two of the key of the key chances that we missed were turnovers yeah. uh so the one that Sterling went one-on-one, one-v-one, he picked that ball up off the defender. Um, 
so yeah, we're missing big chances, but how many of them are really through our general play? Um, and that's not even to go into the other wide issues with with our structure. But anyway, I, I came into this game with a, with a lot more appreciation for what Potts is trying to do. Um, mm. I think I, I can see a lot more sort of the, the hallmarks of this game. Um, and I think in this game in particular, uh, it works the best. Um, in particular, in, in particular, the, the, the trio with Jackson and Kunku and Mudrik and the relationship that um, that left with uh, Gusto on the right. And I think right. previously, previously this season, we've been seeing Palmer playing on the right. Um, mm -hmm. And so he's the creative hub of the team. So because we don't have, we don't, we don't currently have an attacking left back playing, um, the ball reaches the, uh, the ball starts at the left and works his way over to the right. And Palmer is both the creative hub and also the point of the attack to, to breach the defence. But in this game, because we had Nkuku, Palm, Nkuku, Mudrik and Jackson, where Nkuku tended to pull over to the left, Mudrik is obviously wide left, and then Jackson is also dropping in. He's both dropping into the pockets, and he also likes to come over to the left. So what was happening was the link-up play is happening in, in, in the left, uh, on the left-hand side of the pitch. We're attacking... From the back, either it, it could go either side, but it's going to make its way out to the left. And we have fluid combinations between Mudrik and Nkunku or Mudrik and Jackson. And one of Nkunku's strengths, obviously, you see when he gets on the ball, he's he's intelligent with his passes. He does the simple things well um, and plays the simple pass quickly. So he is another important cog in that link-up. And what you'll notice is when they work the ball out of that uh, area fluidly, quickly, um, that leaves lots of space for Gusto on the right. So he's able to actually get at his defender at the back line. He's not receiving the ball where the defender's facing up to him. He's getting the ball and he's running onto it. So you know when uh, Nkunku played that lovely pass over the top um, and Gusto got a touch on it, he was at um, at their left back straight away. Um, I think he passed it into Matson, and Matson had a shot. But yeah, yeah. again, that's one facet of Potter's play where I say, okay, maybe I, I can understand why he's been waiting for uh, Nkunku. Obviously, still a pathetic reason, like you're a Premier League manager. But yeah. again, there are some signs. These are some signs I'm seeing in the play. Um, um, yeah, I hear you. I mean, from from my perspective, I think there's a that game yesterday. Um, there was more, in fact, way more disappointments than positives that I could take from that game, despite the fact we won it. Um, so I, I could list out a couple of things. Um, so obviously the lineup, the, 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 the structure in which that we play, I think is a little bit disjointed once again. I think Caicedo oftentimes structurally in build-up um, is left isolated and left in play, pretty much defending islands by himself. Um, Conor Gallagher is... Fantastic to me, but I think, again, he needs some refining in this game. Uh, amazing ball winner, but he, he sells his midfield partner down the river, in my opinion. I think if you're pressing up that high and getting up that high, um, you you need to have some wearable about you to really come back and defend 
and, and assist your, your, your midfield partner. Because otherwise, in transition, it's just Caicedo. And that's why Caicedo, in my opinion, picks up so many yellow cards. Not because of his tackles. I think his tackling can at times be a little bit reckless. But I think also that's because a lot of the time, he's left in almost indefensible positions where he has to take a man out or has to foul someone because it's like a 2v1 in the midfield all the time or 3v1 in the midfield all the time. So he's always half a yard behind the play. And that's because Gallagher or Enzo are too high up the pitch. It's almost like it, 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 it's, it's actually chaos to me. So that's one aspect. Then we talk about the offensive play. Now, I agree. There were some nice patterns or some nice com- combinations um, that we saw yesterday with Nkunku, Mudrik and Jackson. And in that sense, again, it left a lot of space for Gusto to run into because that flat was essentially his when it came to attacking. However, that to me, a lot of the time, seemed kind of like freestyle. It didn't seem like it was intentional. It seemed like these players naturally had to drift to the left. So they're going to combine because they're close in, in close proximity to one another. Um, I don't know how much that is a structural or strategy thing, considering he plays the sassy um, as a right-back. And also, when he's chasing the game, again, he makes the sassy right-back. That it happened up against Wolves. So I don't think it's necessarily a strategy thing. I just think sometimes, and maybe I'm doing portrait disservice, maybe, um, possibly, very possibly, but I don't think he's shown me enough to really trust him tactically to think that that is really the idea, if that makes any sense. If we talk about the second half against Palace yesterday, from minute one, and just the scariest thing about it, and this is what why it's a big concern for me, and I've been talking about this for months now. But it seems like every half time, every time, after half time, we are a worse team. And it, 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 there's no science behind it. It just seems that we play 20% worse every single time. And yesterday was no different. Palace came out, and from minute one, they almost got in with Mateta. From minute one, I did not, for the life of me, and, and I, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. We're, we're going to be in a situation where we are a scrub of a team in the second half. And lo and behold, Crystal Palace should have been in front. They should have been in front, man. They should have been in front. Um, again, we were under pressure for no reason. The players didn't settle down. Once again, Colo Gallagher is, is leaving Caicedo in acres of space in midfield alone. He's getting pressed to death. And despite that, I think Caicedo have done pretty well um, against that much duress. But I just felt like so much issues in terms of our structural play, in terms of just like re- restarting and re- refinding ourselves in the second half is such a concern. And then you look at the way that we try and break teams down in those um, periods of um, precariousness. And it's just terrible. And Kunku was out of the game because, again, the manager didn't want to change um, the, or stem the flow of the game. Mudrich started to flutter out of the game. Jackson wasn't really involved anymore. It's just like, what? And then, then you talk about a substitution to try and then change that, which, one, comes too late. And then, two... Actually, to be honest, against no, yesterday it wasn't too late, but the subs were quite embarrassing. So he brings on, he, he brings on Thiago Silva, fine if that's what you want to do, but he brings on Thiago Silva, takes off Levi Colwell, brings on Ian Matson, and and brings on who else did he bring on? Sorry, at that point, 
Brozier. Bro, yeah. I'm thinking, what the fuck? Like, what the, what the actual fuck? So, your only offensive outlet at this point, Milo Gusto on the right, right back position, you've now moved him from right back to left back. So, naturally, he's not going to get as forward as he really could do or should do on that hand and that side. Then you've got the sassy at right back. And I'm like, bro, what? How are we going to score the goal? Again, I'm just thinking, what are we... I just couldn't believe it. So then he's put... Um, then he's brought on Lavia, which was a good sub for me. But I think Lavia should have came on for Gallagher rather than, you know, the whole tinkering that he did. Because again, after a while, it still didn't look good enough. We still look like we're getting overrun in midfield. And he brings on Lavia um, a couple of minutes after, maybe like 10, 15 minutes later. So I just keep thinking that, Poch, tactically, what are you actually trying to do? I'm trying to understand what type of team Chelsea are and trying to be. Are we a high-intensity counter-pressing side? Are we a possession-based side? Are we a team that actually likes to move and play in transition? Are we a team that dominates the ball and dominates all of our, um, our, our, our zones? Are we a team that likes to play long ball football? Are we a team that literally is gengen pressing? What are we? What is our identity? How do we try and go about winning games? And it, I, I get so confused because I don't actually know how to answer that question. What is Chelsea's identity and what are we trying to do? How are we trying to win games? And that is where I'm massively concerned with Pochettino because it seems like he doesn't actually know. Like he doesn't know what we want to be. And despite the fact we won the game, it took a penalty for us to, to get anything out of that game. And Jackson had a fantastic chance, don't get me wrong. And he had another chance from a brilliant Thiago Silva cross. Um, or well, not even cross, that was a pass. A brilliant Thiago Silva pass that was ruled out for offside, marginally off. Um, but I, I feel like, yes, Chelsea have chances, but do we create enough quality, high-quality chances throughout a game? I don't think so. That's not to say that the players shouldn't score. That's not to say that the players shouldn't take the chances that they're given. But God, it's football. You can't take every single chance you're given. You can't. There's a lot of guilty chances that I missed in the football match. And I just feel like we we could do better. The players could do better to score, but there needs to be better quality of play that I've been seeing from the manager. And I'm, at this point in time, there's way more question marks and way more concerns than positives and answers for me. I, I, I agree with a lot of the points you made. And I think I've made some of those points previously uh, in terms of concerns over how we build and our structure. I mean, I was so confused. <laughs> I, I actually watched the game yesterday uh, in a pub, and when <laughs> when the subs came up, everyone was like so confused. Like, as in, like what? What? Like everyone? I, I heard someone be like, "What? Like, what's what, what's he doing?" Like, um, but I think for me, this is the first game where I started to see signs. I'm not saying this is the the issues aren't still there, but I think. If you look at the spell we had in the first half, where it was actually sustained attacks, we not necessarily not necessarily pinning them back and keeping them under pressure, but sustained uh, periods where we looked dangerous. We actually looked, and not through counter pressing or mistakes from the opposition by our, off our own backs, we looked dangerous, and that was sustained. It wasn't just a five or ten minute spell. Um, for the majority of the first half, I think we died out a little bit in the first half, 
uh, at the end of the sort of last 10 minutes and the game settled into a bit of a lull. But I think I was just looking at that and I was a bit more enthused than I have been before. I will say, Jenny, let's say you were moved. You were moved. It's okay. No, I was moved. I was just seeing the but but let me let me tell you why I wasn't moved because it went into the second half, and a, a realization struck me. So, a couple of weeks ago, I said um, we had what three games in a row where we won, and it was against Brighton. Um, I can't remember who played, but it was against three teams that came out and played us. And if you look in the second half, just if you watch like the last 15, 20 minutes of the second of the first half, and just watch the first fifteen twenty of the second half. You know, it's a key difference. And Roy has sent Palace out and they're playing 15 to 20 yards deeper. Um, not only that, a lot of our strength from the first half was Jackson, Matson, Mudrick inside, plus Nkunko, of course, dropping in to receive the ball um, and allowing us to play out that way, quick combinations, um, so off and so forth. But with Palace in and deep, there was a lot less space for us to work with. And if you if you watch the half, De Sassi has acres of space to play around with, but we can't progress, we can't go anywhere. And these are the same issues that we've had all season. Uh, if you, and if you want further proof of that, if you look, there's a point where De Sassi has the ball and Elise is between the left-back and the um, defensive midfielder. He's so deep. And Richardson, um, who is running around on Thuggery all day, um, he's actually a centre-back and he was playing in centre-mid. So the instruction, I believe, from Hodgson was Jackson, sorry, Anderson and Gehi, you guys, when they when, when Jackson or Matson or whoever drops deep to pick up the ball, you go, like you can go. Richardson will step in and play centre-back. He, he's naturally centre-back, so it was fine for him. So that's Ooh. what was happening. And they were just shutting us down. And obviously, we didn't really have an answer to that until Madrigal came on. And when Madrigal came on, you notice that because he his primary primary uh, method of progressing the ball was to run with it, that doesn't give them time to set up. He's running at them. Um, and we didn't really have much sort of in behind. We didn't have Enzo to spray in behind. Um, they were sitting a little bit deeper so we couldn't get in behind. So they they knew we just wait for Chelsea to play in, in, in between the lines and we yeah. press ring. And that's where yeah. I see, that's where I see, if it's that easy to nullify us, um, again, at half time. It is scary, um, bro. And, and that, that's, and it's scary because that that's no disrespect to, to Uncle Roy, but that, that's Roy Hodgson, for fuck's sake. That's Roy Hodgson. That's not one of like the elite managers of the, of the, of the league. Like that. That's one of like the, the middle of the range, you know. That's Uncle Roy. Uh, Uncle Roy. He's been coaching since the That's Uncle Roy. No, that's Uncle Roy. Yeah. But I'm just like, fam. That that's that's one of the, that's one of them, man. So I'm just like, watch. That like, what are you doing to fix this? And even when I ask what are you doing to fix this, and he he gives me an answer. The answer is a bad answer. <laughs> it's a bad answer. Like the changes are not making sense. It, like, they're not making sense at all, and it's scary. And obviously, they're talking free goes, but then he finally brings on Labia because, like you're saying, like the midfield were just getting blamed. Like the, the amount of space that was opening up in the midfield again in the second half was so criminal. 
I was like, now nah, you need to bring on Lavia now. Like something needs to happen now because you could see Palace scoring. And uh, boy, Mateta had a massive chance from a set piece. It just blasted over. In fact, it wasn't even a set piece. It, it came back to Elise. Elise nodded it over to Mateta. And Mateta blasted it over. We should have been 2 1 down. I think that there, there was a lot of things that really, really concerning. Um, but we got the win. I'm not going to get too mad. I'm not going to get too upset. That that game definitely posed more question marks for me than answers. Um, but one thing in terms of, you know, negatives or, or, or positives you want to take away from the game, I think Nicholas Jackson's performance, um, I thought he was pretty good. Um, you know, I think as a striker, you're always going to be judged on your goals. Um, but I think in the first half in particular, I think he was really, really good. Um, he really activated uh, Nkunku in terms of Nkunku's ab- ability to drift in and out of wide positions. The connections between him, Mudrick, and um, Nkunku was fantastic. Um, but again, with Nicholas Jackson, um, I feel like the weight of the world feels like it's on his shoulders at the moment, and he plays like it at times. And I think when he's through on goal, he just looks like the least confident player in the world. Um, and I have a lot of sympathy for him. He's only 22 years of age, if that's what you want to believe, or if, whether you want to believe it or not, that's your prerogative. But he's 22 years of age. He's a young player, inexperienced in the league. And um, I think people are you know, being really, really hard on him at the moment. I think the fans in the stadium in particular are are it's really, really poor. Um, he's only just come here. It's not like he's not scored. He scored plenty of goals for us. Um, maybe not enough. He should have scored more. In fact, he definitely should have scored more. But he's new to strike the striking role. And I think there's a, an ultimate failure of the club to bring him in as our main attacker when he's got not got that much experience as a striker. That's one. That's a failure for me. Two, I think there's a failure of Pochettino in the sense that you really, as a manager should be kind of orchestrating your fans to support the players through hard times. And I think it's, it's not enough. I think even like, if you look at Potter, for example, last season with um, Kukurea, Potter came out and I, I don't think Potter is really the most coach in general. And to be honest, some people, some of his words may fall on deaf ears, but he came out and offended Kukurea and just said to the fans, look, he's having a hard time. He's going through some personal issues. Like, Please, just, just support the player. Support the player. He's a good player. Just support him. I think Pochettino should do a better job in doing that, if I'm honest. I think he should look at Arteta as an example, sir, how he's rehabilitated his relationship with the fans' relationship and habits um, in terms of saying, OK, give him time. Patience, patience. Every press conference, essentially, for about two months, Arteta was saying, look, Getting onto him, groaning, moaning at Havertz is not going to help him. You need to get behind him and support him. And I think it's important for, for Pochettino to have similar messaging. It's very, very important as a manager to really get behind your player and say, look, he's a young player. It's very difficult for him. It's a new, he's new, but he still scored goals for us. You have to support him. Booing him isn't helping. Like, you need to really... Yeah, those sort of things will help a player or lift the player. You know what I mean? It will lift him. And I feel like... It's kind of been very, very tough on Jackson, personally. I think, you know, Pochettino's been quite tough. 
um, and giving him a bit of tough love and that love. And I think you need to really put your arm around him, especially when you can see he's visibly struggling. I think he stayed in the net when he missed that chance. He stayed in the net for about two minutes. Like he, he was in disbelief, kind of discons- um, despondent, really. Um, so I, I, I just feel like we as a club, as fans, I know you may not have to like him, and I'm not telling you to like him, you have to get behind him or whatever, but you should really just like take a step back and wonder and think to yourself, oh, is booing him the right thing? Does booing actually make sense here? Does booing help him in any way or help us in any way? Um, but yeah, well, what are your thoughts on Jackson, actually? Um, because it, I think the situation is quite bad, in, in my opinion. It's quite sad as well to watch, visibly. Um, I think he's come out before and spoken about not listening to all the the shit, as I think he put it, um, and focusing on what he needs to do to improve. Uh, I feel like, again, he's one of these players who is very frustrating, and I think Chelsea fans have a very low tolerance for frustration. Um, I've sort of seen a lot of fans talk about how, oh, this is Chelsea. Um, and, you know, I, I understand that this is Chelsea, but also I think people need to understand where we are right now. Um, I think Jackson's sort of a victim of that. Um, I will say today was one of his better performances. Sorry, uh, against Palace is one of his better performances. Um, that passage of play where he shrugged off um was Anderson and just and played in and cuckoo that was that was great but with Jackson it's always uh a step back and a step forward I think in front of goal it's difficult because he does a lot of the hard work and the parts that are perceived as easy um he he needs sort of that extra second to sort of slow slow himself down yeah and he almost needs that zuma focus uh yeah, you know to, what it is yeah but, <laughs> it's uh, <a> zuma <laughs> um, but also he, jackson jackson is allergic to making a front post run i've never seen this guy go to a front post yeah. there was one there was one instance where i actually couldn't believe it and it's where um it's where it's actually a good passage of play because he drops in uh, to midfield to receive the ball, but obviously Palace have got him covered, so they're going to press him. And Caicedo pops it around the corner to Gallagher, and, and Gallagher um, puts it through to Nkunku. And I implore you, if you're if you're if you want to go back and watch this, it's minute fifty eight. Please go back and watch this because Gallagher pokes it through to Nkunku, and there are only two Palace players in the box. Oh, Jackson, yes. Yeah, Jackson, yeah, Jackson yeah, yeah. And rather than going to the front post or staying in between the two defenders, he goes to the back. He loves that back post run. He always wants the ball to be flashed across so he can tap it in. Like, But he needs to vary his runs ball. And the thing is, like, in terms of fundamentals for a, a good Premier League striker, he's got a lot of the attributes. He's, he's, not, he's not a terrible player. Um, and it's not like he looks um, out of place at this level. It's just when he gets in front of goal, um, he's just a little bit erratic. And with that, I think he had a shot as well early in the half uh, where 
It was a left foot shot. Left and he foot could, yeah, he <laughs> could oh, no! Oh, no! Yo, look, listen, yeah, I fully hear you. I feel like... <laughs> I, I'm just laughing because I've got a flashback to that moment where I, I just thought, fuck it, hell, fuck! <laughs> but look, it's not an easy chance. It was at an angle. Um, but what I would say is I completely agree with what you're saying. I think in front of goal, he seizes up, which is weird to me because in pre-season, the Jackson yeah, that I was so seeing, cool. I'm seeing... I'm seeing clean finishes, like clean, like composure. The striking was crisp, like the connection with the ball was crisp. So it's very, very strange to see him. And in fact, not really strange, but it's just very, very odd to see him kind of seize up in these moments. And it's been happening all season. These Premier League lights are very bright. Very bright, bro. Very very, bright. bright. if you look at if you look at the misses, I think it's been like every game. I mean, Liverpool. I mean, every single game he's played, he should at least notch one, at least one every single game. I remember the chance against West Ham. I remember the chances against Forest. I remember the yeah the one where he loops it over the bar from three yards out against Forest. He's had plenty of opportunities to score goals, so I can understand fans a little bit thinking, "Oh God, this guy." I get it. But he's also scored goals. He's also played well in many of these games. I think we need to be a little bit softer with him. Not to, not to say that we don't. You shouldn't demand things of him because I think we should demand things from all of our players. But I think we should give him a little bit more grace, just a little bit more grace. And I think with that grace, depending on what he does with it, I think you might get a a bit, maybe another 20 percent from him. To be honest, but. It remains to be seen. It is tough. It is tough, I must admit, you know, to see a player going through on goal and him not being the killer that you want him to be. It is rough. It's rough. And I think there have been a lot of games where those misses have cost us points and they have cost us moments. So it's not easy. But like I said, I go back to what I was saying. It's a bit of negligence from from the owners and Pochettino in terms of just allowing him to be the only real senior striker that's available. I think you've got Broyer who's coming back from injury. So it just, I don't know if that really washes well with me and, you know, sits well with me, if that makes any sense. I think, I think Nkunku coming back would definitely help um, and take maybe a little bit of that pressure off him. Um, so may, maybe in those moments where he misses a chance, it's, it's okay because... You know, we have other players on the pitch who are going to contribute. Um, I think in the early part of the season, it was literally just him. Um, he was mainly the the sort of the goal threat, and occasionally Sterling. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about the Wolves game, but I feel like we should. Say, we should. I was going to say. Yeah, I was, I was going to say we need to talk about Sterling, but. I don't know if we're going to say anything that hasn't been said already because that guy is uh, another frustrating. Uh, bro, bro, Raheem. Okay, let's talk about the Wolves game because it was, it was a pathetic performance. Um, it was a horrible performance. Um, Chelsea again had chance upon chance in the first half. And I just. Uh, Raheem Sterling, yeah. Now look. I've been not necessarily a staunch defender of him, but I've been like fair in my analysis and fair in my criticism of him because I think 
a lot of fans have been incredibly harsh with him, especially given the fact that he scored a number of goals, got a number of assists for us this season, and performed generally quite well, um, if I'm honest. But one thing that I've noticed throughout the season, when there's moments to square the pass, to guarantee a goal, when it's either 1-0 or 0-0, Raheem doesn't pass it. Like, he doesn't pass it. Like He will try and finish all the time. And I'm just thinking, Raheem, what are you doing? Because you know our situation in the table is precarious. You know our manager, especially, is precarious with him. And you know that the fans, especially, were nervous and anxious as fuck. What are you doing? I respect and commend the bravery to take shots on. But bro, 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 bro. Look at what you're doing. That situation with Jackson and Mudrick was so criminal. No, it was Mudrick. It was Jackson and Palmer. was Palmer. so criminal. It was so criminal. I think Jackson was offside. That is so good. Bro, Jackson was offside, but Palmer was right there. That's so guilt-edged. If you pass it, that's 1-0. It's so criminal, I just couldn't for the life of me believe what I was seeing. But I could, because after a second, I thought, well, Raheem's done this before. He's done this before. He did it against Villa. He's, he's done this before. So I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? And I think he was spending, which was a ridiculous decision, because that was never a yellow card. It was never a dive. But it was a blessing in disguise, because I think he needs to really sit you know what I'm saying? I think he really needs to sit and reflect on himself and the standards he needs to hold himself to because he's a senior player. We talk about our oh, young players making bad decisions, but no, Raheem, you're a senior player, 29 or 28 years of age. I, I can't run with boys. It's just I the fact run. that he's meant to be the leader of this attack as well. Um, it's just and bad, not, Aside from his performances... He's not really showing that. Like, he, I don't know if you cast your mind back to when he was trying to take the penalty off Palmer. And I feel like if he had been that guy in his performances and his general um, general facilitating, sort of being the leader of the attack, and he's never been a good penalty taker. I don't know. If, I don't even know why he was trying to take that penalty. Like, yeah. uh, I just think he needs to. Personally, I think he just needs to be sold, but uh, that's that's not going to happen. No, bro, I, I, you know, you know, I, you know my position, bro. You know, I I I never wanted Raheem in the first place. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie, say he was he's been bad or shit or whatever. But what I will say, he is not my type of player, and I would be more more than happy, more than happy to take a cheeky four piece for him and send it to Saudi. I'm, also, I'm more than happy. It's, it's not good enough. He's also as. Uh, He's also uh, he's also as inconsistent as the nineteen twenty year olds around him, which I just brother, brother, brother. And the thing is, yeah, inconsistency happens in football because no player is consistent for ninety games or or, or sixty games in a season. No player is going to play a game every game amazingly. It's just not possible. But brother, you are twenty nine years of age. You, this is who you are. Like, I'm not expecting you to have amazing leaps and bounds of what you can do on the pitch. This is who you are. And who you are sometimes on the pitch, bro, I don't like it. I don't like it. Because there needs to be a baseline of sensible decisions, in my opinion. And I think Raheem, at times, if the decision's not bad, the execution is And I'm just like, bro, I can't deal with it. 
from a senior player. I give more scope and more leeway, not necessarily just a senior player, but an experienced player where you've played loads and loads of games. You get it? I just can't. You know what I mean? I can't. And that chance that we missed, that's what made us lose the game. It didn't make us lose the game because we had plenty of situations, but we lost the game because if we score that goal, I think the game, the nature of the game, the the the, the rhythm and the pattern of the game changes. Um, just uh, poor man. Um, positive, obviously, and Kunku got his goal. That's that's my guy. Um, but boy, the, the the game, the the performance was so horrible, especially in the second half. Once again, you just wonder, Pochettino, what are you actually trying to do? It's just really, really not good. It's really, really not good. Um, but, man, we've got a game this weekend. Once again, looting away. Tough game. Tough game. Luton have been on a pretty much of a roll, to be honest, in terms of their their, their, their performances. I think they're, they're managing to pick up a couple of points here and there. They're one point behind Everton in the league with a game in hand. Obviously, Everton got that points deduction. Um, so, Everton, actually, if they didn't get the points deduction, would have been above us, to be honest. Um, but Luton's not going to be an easy game. Not going to be an easy game at all. Um, what team do you go with against Luton? Um, yeah, tell me. What, what's the team you go with against Luton? Um, to be honest, I feel like we... Obviously, Petrovic, he's been so calm and assured. Um, I don't think he's amazing with his feet. Uh, obviously, it's only been four games, but at least he hasn't passed the ball to the opposition yet. Uh, yeah, and I think if he just he he makes the saves he should make. Um, he just looks calm and assured. Um, I think he's been so good. Uh, and for you know, traditionally, people are always so scared to throw in goalkeepers because obviously it's quite a um. And listen, I, I, I don't see how Sanchez gets his place back, to be honest. Boy, um, I, I mean, look, bro, listen, for me, Sanchez, <laughs> he, he needs to be praying yeah. because Petr- 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 has, he's not put a foot wrong. Yeah, yeah. He's not put um, a foot wrong. I'd go with Petrovic, uh, Gusto. Um, at centre-back, it's, it's, it's quite hard because Thiago Silva... Has also started doing this thing where he puts his ball on he, he he puts his foot on the ball to sort of scan and to um make a decision on what he's gonna do next. And mm. he, he's let the ball run under his foot like two or three times yeah. um this season already. And I think I, I also can't bring myself to go with uh Disassi. So I'm gonna go with Bajashid and Colwell. And then uh, wish we were thinking of Matin left back. Um, just because I feel like this is a game where we'll have the upper hand. Uh, we'll have the lion's share of possession. Um, and the Sassi, sorry, Badishion and Colwell, that's good height in the middle. Um, and then I'll go with um, Gallagher, Caicedo, um, Mudrick, Nkunku, Palmer. Um, and then. I, I don't know. The the, the Jackson Brojo debate is is one I'm not quite quite sure about because I don't feel like Brojo has taken his chances when he's been given them the mm. season. 
Um, I feel like that number nine spot has been there to claim. And listen, I'm, I'm the self-proclaimed chairman of the Amanda Brojo fan club. I think he has mm-hmm. all the attributes and minerals to be a, a top Premier League striker. I think he needs to he needs to to refine his game definitely. I think he has moments where he tries to do it by himself, um, and he gets his head down and he starts running or he's got really good feet. So he tries to work his way out of the situation where maybe you don't need to be expending all that energy. You can just lay the ball off, get into the box. Um, But I know that with all his issues, once he gets in front of goal, um, I'm confident that he's going to put it on target. Um, So I think personally, I would give him a run of five, six games in, in the team. Um, see what he can do, but I think Potts is going to go with Jackson, and Jackson to be honest, played uh, relatively well um, last game out, so has a good mm-hmm. link up with Kunku and Mudrick, so I'll just keep that going for the moment, so I'll put Jackson in um, What about you? What's your team for Luton? Um, it would be Petrovic, I mean he's done really well since coming in, to be honest I think he's not put a foot wrong, he's pretty strong, Um and I've been marginally impressed with him, to be honest. The distribution isn't terrible. He's definitely not as comfortable the ball at his feet as Sanchez, but that also leads to a bit of safety with his, his decision-making, and he's not overconfident with his passing and distribution. So I'm, I'm happy with Petrovic. Right back, Malou Stowe, very easy. Reese James out for God knows how long, um, out for the, until probably uh, just before the summer. So, yeah, Malou Stowe, easy, fantastic. Um, the uh, centre-backs, Thiago Silva and Badia Shil, um, most definitely. I don't want to see Cole on the pitch unless he's playing centre-back. So if we want to make that change now and play Cole at left, left centre-back, then I'm all for it. But Badia Shil, I think he's had a, quite a few shaky moments, to be honest. I think even for their goal against Crystal Palace, didn't need to really pass it out to Ian Matson. He could have just cleared it. Um, so yeah, he's made quite a few um, shaky Shaky moment. He's had a quite a few shaky moments, so I'm a little bit mm, maybe we're doing too much too soon in terms of game management after his injury. Um, but yeah, I, I, in fact, I'm going to say Badia Shield needs to sit down. So let's say Badia Shield sits down and Levi Colwell comes in at left centre back. Even Levi, for me, has had made some mistakes because the goal against Olise, he didn't need to attack it. Um, I thought I, I... he. He didn't need to attack the ball there. He could have just... And maybe that's his natural left centre-back brain on at this point. Let me engage with the centre-forward at this point. But he left the lease and that goal was costly. Um, yeah, so, so with, with, with that one, I think actually that's Kais. So there's two there's two elements to that goal. Um, it's Kaiser as well. Don't get me twisted. Kaiser um, and but I also think so. Cole doesn't look; he doesn't see that um, Elise is there. He just sees uh, Desassi in front of him or Balishio in front of him, and Mateta in between them. And I think we've had this this season already. When there's a big guy in the middle, all of our players get drawn to him and leave so much space. I've gotten who I think it was against Newcastle. Um, mm. We were trying to double up on uh, Joe Linton or someone in the box, and then Miley was free on the edge of the box. Um, and he he passed it through to um, what's that striker's name again? Um, which which one? Passed, passed it through to Newcastle's centre forward. Oh, uh, came from, no, 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 came from Spain. Um, tricky, oh, um, 
his name? Uh, literally Isaac. Scored, yeah, there you go, Isaac. Um, so if you remember that goal, that goal comes about because uh, we're drawn to one big guy in the middle. And I think that's what's happened again here. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to see him at centre-back. I have almost no judgment of Levi Cole as a centre-back because he's been playing left-back mm. for 90% of the time here. So if you were to ask me how good of a centre-back he is, I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, no, he's a very good centre-back. I think he, he, he is playing, in my opinion, 30-40% of his capacity at left-back. I think it, it's that much of a dip. Not only do you lose out on his uh, passing range, angles, quality, but you also lose out on his jewels in the box, um, 1v1. Um, I think it's very difficult engaging in jewels with a striker in central zones and and dealing with tricky wingers as well as overlapping fullbacks in wide situations. It's very, very difficult to defend. Very, very difficult. It's a very specialist role. That's why the fullback position is very, very specialist. And that's why I'm very apprehensive when I see other players playing in those in those areas because it, it, it really shouldn't be the case. It's like it's literally as silly as playing a left back or a, a five foot five left back at centre back. It, 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 and they've never played it before. It's, it's silly, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think left back. I'd go with Ian Matson simply because he's the only left back we have available, actual left back that we have available. And I think in the game against Newcastle at the bridge, in the Cowboy Cup, I thought he did pretty well when he came on. Um, so again, it just give him an opportunity. Give him an opportunity to really show himself. If he fails, he fails. But give him an opportunity to really show whether he is actually good enough to play at this level. Um, midfield, um, Caicedo, Lavia. Um, I think Conor Gallagher needs to really sit. Um, I think his impact on the game um, was really good in terms of ball wins. Really, really good. But I got to see a bit more of the Caicedo that I'm familiar with when Lavio came on the pitch and Caicedo was able to ball win across the the, the field and, again, start dominating in that respect. And I don't think we need Gallagher and Caicedo on the pitch at the same time in certain games. Um, and Lavia, when he came on, he brought an element of control. He made me very, very content with his his ball wins, his stability and strength in midfield. And again, we were able to, when he came on the pitch, not necessarily mount pressure, but sustain the ball, sustain pressure. Um, so, yeah, I'd go Lavia Caicedo. That game may come a bit too soon for Lavia, but I'd, I'd risk it with Lavia. Um, and I'd go for a front three of Cole Palmer. Nkunku, Mudrick, and Jackson. Um, yeah, that's a pretty straightforward for me. Speaks for themselves. Mudrick, I think he's on a good, decent run of form. Um, Jackson has connected pretty well with uh, Mudrick and um, Nkunku when I've seen them. And obviously Cole Palmer, CP Palms, C. Jermaine Palmer, the linchpin and the fulcrum of our creative hub. So I, I, you go with him. You get him in straight away. Um, will Potch do that? It remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. I've got quite a few listeners' questions I want to get through. Um, but before that, what's your scoreline prediction for Luton away? Uh, I'm going to go with 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to Chelsea. All right. All right. Okay. I'm going to go with a cheeky 3-1. 3-1 Chelsea. 
I'm going to go with it. Uh, I, I may live to regret it, but I'm going with a 3 1 Chelsea. I'm going to go with a Jackson goal scorer, um, Jackson Madrid. Now, listeners' questions. Got quite a few to get through, um, but let's bring them up. Okay. If I get your names incorrect, then please forgive me. But let's start off with. Thoughts on what we do with Sterling? I enjoyed, and this is from Ids. Shout out to you, my guy. My guy. Um, thoughts on what to do with Sterling? I enjoyed the Modric in Kunku and Jackson League Cup in the first half. And obviously, Palmer replaces Matson in there. So I'd like to see more. But Sterling has also had some performances this season. What, what are your thoughts? What do we do with Sterling? Uh, I think <clears throat> he is a very experienced player. Um, I think when anyone describes a player as experienced first, uh, I think, you know, there's something there to be worried about. Uh, I'd rather invest, <coughs> you know, time into this Mudrick Jackson um, and Kunku sort of link up that's, that's been starting to develop. I think Palmer's been so good on the other flank. I think Palmer's also been dying out for someone to link up with. Uh, I think Palmer and Kunku are going to be very good together. Um, so, Listen, Sterling, it's, it's a team game. Ultimately, he's going to get playing time, but I don't think he's sort of the priority at this moment. Um, and I think we'll see how it goes. The problem is he's also our high. I think he's our highest paid player. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he's been worth... I mean, he's been good at times, but I don't think he's been worth the 300 or 350, um, whatever he's, he's on. I don't think he's been sort of worth that status as highest paid player. So... Um, yeah. I think ultimately we have to move on from him. Um, but how we do that with um, the amount of wages he's on, the current structure of our at- attack, I'm not sure. But again, we yeah. spent 100 million pounds on Midrick. So at some point, he's going to have to start playing. So it, it's not good. I don't think that yeah. those two are going to coexist uh, and play okay. like that. Cool. Um... Oh, Alexis. Alexis Kafkas, my guy. Um, what type of manager will suit this couple of players? It's been 19 games and I'm not sold on Pochettino. I'll, I'll answer this one. I think, um, to be honest, uh, I think this team is crying out for a man that not only cares about this club, loves the club, <coughs> but a man that had a ruthless streak of winning, a manager that doesn't take bullshit, a manager that really will fight for this club. And I think, honestly, the only manager that I think can really take the reins and drive us forward um, at this point, is probably the third coming of Jose Mourinho. And I'm going to say that. I'm going to have to wait, stop you right there. Absolutely. No, no, no. Wait. Let me finish. Let me land. Let me land. Let me land. Now, I'm not going to say that Jose Mourinho is going to come back and have us winning titles. I'm not saying that at all. But I think it's important for the club to have a culture of winning and a mentality of success. That mentality from the last couple of coaches that we've had has died. And I need something, whether that's Jose, whether that's anyone, to come in and instill that winning and that hunger um, and that care about the club. Because I can't imagine that Pochettino would have 
that much care for Chelsea Football Club, considering his affiliation and love for Tottenham Hotspur. I can't imagine it, but you know, it could be you wrong. Let me finish. Let me finish. So I, I can't, I can't imagine it. So with Jose, I'd probably say Jose Mourinho. Um, that's not to say that it's just, just should be exclusively him. I think Hansi Flick for me would also be a good option. Um, the only thing for me is that Hansi Flick could be another one of those managers that come with a reputation and his reputation may precede him and unfortunately isn't really given the time, um, resources and support to really his philosophy and intensity of his play. Um, so those are about the two that I'd say. Um, but again, there's, there's plenty of other man. Obviously, deserve. I think he'd be a good fit. But at the same time, he's not really an experienced winner that I think the Chelsea Football Club should have and should uh, aspire to get. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I don't think Poch lasts beyond the season. Um, he's been given two a two year deal. Remember Pochettino. So um, we'll see in it. Whether it's this year or the season after, I just don't see Poch being here long term. Um, but that—that you know, you know, my problem with Jose um, is it's not even the tactics, which I'm sure will be horrible, or um, it's the fact that when Jose leaves the club, you lose a lot more than you should. It's, it's his scorched earth policy. That I just don't think it's helpful with a young group of players. We've invested far too many, too much into a lot of these players, and we have them on eight-year contracts. I don't think bringing Jose in, who's gonna, he's gonna have his favourite, and he's gonna ride or die with them. Um, and I just don't think that that type of management is particularly efficient in this day and age. Um, and also, it's not gonna get us a title. Like, it's not gonna get us. It, it, it might scrape us top four, but to me, it's not worth it. Um, I think find someone who can, who can do it without alienating half the squad. That's that's my thoughts on Jose. First, um, we then go on to why is he still putting players out of position? Analyze Poch's in-game management um, and his thoughts of substitution. I think we've already touched on this. It's it's quite pathetic. I, I don't understand what this obsession is with putting square pegs in round holes. It just doesn't make any sense to me. His substitutions are dire and shambolic. And um, I think Chelsea have enough players. And this is from Elvin, um, Elvin 101. I think um, Chelsea have enough players in this squad that are good enough. Um, I think it's just whether the manager is really good enough to me. I think there's still quite a few players that need some, some polishing and some, some you know, um, welding and moulding into um, top players. But it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. Um, it's, I think it's a bit too too early to rule that many of them out, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there is one more question that I definitely wanted to answer. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, how can we improve the atmosphere in the bridge? This is from Freddie FB. Well, um, I think one thing for me. I think the bridge, to be honest, when it gets going, I love it. Like, there's no stadium like it. The intimacy, the closeness, the the the, the intensity. When Chelsea, when the bridge is there, like and behind you, like there's, I don't think there's anything like it. But the issue that I found is that when Chelsea and the bridge gets nervous, that anxiety because we're so close to the players, it translates onto the players massively. 
I remember those times that back in the day where the Chelsea fans was never that never say die type shit. Like this was under Jose, that never say die type shit where you will a goal into the net. Where our record's about to be broken, we're winning goals into the net. Like where it's all support, it's all mad vibes and mad energy. That mad intensity, yeah. But I think there's the, the the spirit of anxiety has definitely started to catch us. And I think a lot of our fans don't realise it that the groaning, the moaning, the booze, the 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 the, the screaming and shouting, disparaging things to players doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. And that nervousness and that anxiety translates onto the pitch. And I think it doesn't really help us achieve our targets. I think even if you look at previous managers um, that came to the bridge and were successful, there was always that passion and that fire between the fans and the manager. That there was always that passion. Like Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti for me, wasn't that sort of manager. But Conte, Jose, that passion, that fire, that spirit was always there. Do you get it? And I think that made a massive, massive difference. Um, I'm not saying Poch needs to be jumping like that, but I think there needs to be something that sparks us into life. And I think the one thing that I could say is Poch needed to have words with the, the fans and saying, look, get behind the players. It's so important to get behind the players. I think Poch personally doesn't feel like he has the clout and respect of the fans to really say these things, but I think he needs to. He absolutely needs to. Otherwise, the environment at the bridge will always be quite, quite porous, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think, what, I think, our, I think our sort of stadium going fans are one. I feel like the situation is you need to win them over, um, and you need to get them going either with by being a legend, so in the days of Lampard, or attacking football that's going to get them off their feet. Um, I think once 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 you get them on your once you get them on your side, it takes a lot for them to turn against you. Um, mm. They were backing Lampard till the end. They were backing. I think once Tuchel won them over, they were back. Uh, they were backing him. But if you look at someone like Sari, um, I'd say he never won the fans over. He had sort of slow, um, patient football which they didn't like. So I think you, to, to get the 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 fans follow what happens on the pitch. We're not sort of in, in we're not like sort of like Liverpool where um, the atmosphere is there to push the players on. I feel like we are more of the atmosphere that is reacting to what happens on the pitch. So uh, I guess <laughs> fix what happens on the pitch first and the fans will follow. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think we'll leave it there, man. Thank you guys so much for your questions. Any ones that we didn't cover this week, we'll try and cover in the next pod. But yeah, Jerry, really appreciate your time, my guy. Um, we'll catch you all next, next week, year. hopefully. Next year, 2024. Bumble clock. Um, <laughs> we'll catch you, man, on the flip side of 2024, hopefully with a win in tow against, New, uh, against Luton in the final game of 2023. I've been Meads. It's been Chesie Hour. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.